Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Biker Chit Chat. I'm your host, Biker Bethany, and I'm on a mission to find female riders from all over the planet to find out their stories of how they got into the motorcycle world. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Narissa. She is a Harley Davidson engineer. And I've got to say, it was really great to hear a little bit of an insight about what it's like working behind the scenes for a brand like Harley. She also told me the differences of what it's like from where she's living now in Arizona to where she used to live near Milwaukee. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one so let's jump straight into it. Hey Narissa. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Of course, I was really excited to talk to you, obviously being an engineer for Harley Davidson, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty great job. Um, You know, some people have asked me if it's my dream job. And yeah, I'd say it's pretty close. I mean, having to work on motorcycles all day is is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) That is super cool. So what like drew you to that in the first place? Well, I have a degree in mechanical engineering, and to be honest, what drove me to pursue engineering in the first place was race cars. So uh, when I was young, my mom took me to uh, a race at our local track, and it was an open wheel race, so like IndyCar or kind of like Formula One cars, that, that type of style racing. And I think I was maybe 12 years old, and I was just immediately hooked. I couldn't get enough of it. I had my nose pressed up against the fence the whole time watching the cars. And we actually got pit passes. So I got to walk through the paddock and like see the cars up close and talk to some of the mechanics. And that just like really sparked something inside of me that eventually led me to pursue engineering. I found out that I had this like really big drive and passion for mechanical things. So I went to school for mechanical engineering, got my bachelor's degree and Uh, I actually, after I graduated, had a different job before Harley, but it was um, in engine development. So throughout my time in college and then my first couple jobs, I realized that my passion really lies within engine development and performance. So I was kind of like catering my career towards that. And I did get to spend some time with a small professional race team out of college. And I learned a lot. I got to travel with them. I got to shadow their, their primary engineer. And 
I really enjoyed it, but I learned that maybe my passions and skill sets weren't set up for that type of role as much as I had originally expected. Um, I'm definitely more the type who wants to like take some time to research things and make decisions based on my knowledge and testing or experiments, things like that, as opposed to like the track side engineers where it's super like hair and fire. You need an answer now and you're dealing with a lot of emotions at the racetrack and all these things. It's, it's very hectic. So um, yeah, like I said, I kind of like started catering my career more towards engine development specifically and long story short, ended up at Harley Davidson in about 2015 is when I joined the company. And uh, yeah, I've been there ever since. So and, and always working within the powertrain department within engineering. So um, I did ride before coming to Harley Davidson, but uh, I would say that it was like super casual and I didn't have a ton of experience. Um, I, I joined the company and like, it's just impossible to not get bit by the bug because so many of the other engineers and employees also ride and like the, the passion and the culture is just everywhere. So for sure, when I joined the company, that's when my passion for riding really blew up. Mm, yeah, sure. I mean, I want to touch on quite a lot of what you just said there. So sort of backtracking to where it all began when you actually started studying uh, like the engineering and everything what was it that sort of like drove you to that was it the passion for um, like the performance and the speed or was it more of like a sort of scientific interest if you like I think initially it was more of a scientific interest for sure um, growing up science was always my favorite class in school math was not actually I, I did always struggle in math a little bit more than my other classes and I almost didn't pursue engineering because of it, but thankfully I had a, a teacher in high school who pushed me into it, and I'm glad he did because obviously here I am. I worked through it, um, but I, I always think that's an important note for people to not get discouraged if they're interested in engineering, but think, oh my gosh, how can I ever do calculus? <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but you can get through it, I promise. I did. I got through three levels of calculus in college just fine. Um, <laughs> so, um, it was definitely a scientific interest and I always enjoyed like my tech ed classes that I took, you know, building things and, and learning how to work on mechanical things with my hands. And then, like I said, the racing. So, um, just the performance of that and, and like specifically with engines, I realized that there's an endless amount of information and, uh, you know, like technical details that, that you can go into when it comes to engines and engine development. You know, a lot of people think the IC engine is dying and that's on its way out. You know, it's being replaced by electric vehicles or whatever alternative energies. And I mean, that, that's true to a point. Um, the IC engine has been around for a long, long time and we know a lot of things about it, but there's still a lot of engineering challenges that can be solved with that product. And, and that's where I found a lot of interest and passion. 
Mm, yeah, that's super interesting, actually, because that is one thing people say a lot, you know, what's going to happen to Harley Davidson when we're living in like a fully electric world, which, of course, is very far in the future, isn't it? But it is likely to be the future. And we all know Harley Davidson to be loud and make you like vibrate off of it, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and obviously, they brought out the live wire, didn't they? Which I actually thought it was a really cool bike. It's something totally different for Harley Davidson, but I guess there is that side of it, isn't it? It's like how how is Harley gonna stay relevant when it goes that way? Yeah, uh, and I guess only time will tell, right? Um, mm. You know, it's it's interesting because obviously there's there's this this drive to have more alternative energies across the world and a lot of regulations are actually pushing for that so um you know a lot of companies especially car companies are they're almost like being forced into that um but in terms of motorcycles and harley davidson we'll see um the live wire yeah. is definitely I think I personally think a really exciting product that that showcases like the breadth of of Harley's offerings and and what the engineers can do. Um, have you ever ridden one yourself? Actually, I haven't actually got round to riding it, but I've spoken to a few people that have rode it. Yeah, my dad being one of them, and he said it is just mental fast. Yes, like, it's <laughs> insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's so much fun. Um, I actually I got to ride one. It was one of the production ones after it was released. And um, I, I didn't work on that project at all myself. But uh, I agree. It was crazy fun, crazy fast. I actually scared myself a little bit on it the first time I rode it. <laughs> um, but But I loved it. Yeah, so cool. I mean, I like as well, how it's it's it wasn't trying to be like a classic harley with an electric engine or whatever you'd call it put in there it was something completely different and like i'm not really i've never really been into the sport bike kind of world at all but i really loved the shape of it and i thought i really appreciate what they've done with this and i personally thought it looked pretty cool <laughs> yeah no i i agree about all of that <laughs> so obviously harley have brought out their newer engine now anyway haven't they what they've got in the nightster and the similar one that they've put in um the pan america and i guess that must be more eco-friendly right uh so you're talking about the rev max engine um that's it yeah yeah I, I mean it's it's a completely different engine from the milwaukee 8 powertrain that's in um some of our previous v-twin products so um, yeah, it's, it's more of a water cooled product. It, uh, yeah, it, it has a lot of differences, I guess, it, without getting into too many details, but, um, it, you know, it was designed in house by our Harley engineers. And, um, I think it's a really great product. And for anybody else who has not had a chance to experience it yet, like maybe if you're used to some of the older products, um, you know, uh, twin cams or older things like that, or, I mean, even wonky eights, it definitely has a different feel to it. Um, but still like that, that Harley soul. So uh, yeah. I, I highly recommend getting on it and trying out some of those new products that we've released. 
Yeah, definitely. Cause it's like I think anyone that I have know that's tried it, and even for myself, I got to spend quite a lot of time on the Nightster, and it really surprises you like how much power it's got, and it is just totally different to some of the older models. And um, I don't know what it is about some Harley lovers how you can get quite sort of set in your ways like oh no I only like this exact you know looking engine or whatever without giving the newer stuff a try and as soon as you do give it a try you can't not like it because (laughs) it's like modern isn't it and it's just got that like more push and power and everything behind it yeah for sure I mean everybody has their preferences right and Everybody starts somewhere or, you know, jumps into the, the Harley lineup at some point in their life that maybe has some significance and they'll always hold a special place in their heart. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but but I do always enjoy hearing stories of, um, you know, people who sort of fall into those more traditional or, or historical products, getting on the newer products and then hearing their reactions about it because because often it's very positive yeah definitely I totally agree it's really cool though I mean and at the end of the day Harley's got to be seen to be going more eco and doing what they can to like improve things and everything's going to come with change isn't it but I think that new engine is really great and especially on the Pan Am anyone that says they've ridden that they're like oh my god that is actually a weapon for what it is yeah so actually my my husband owns a Pan Am and um my daily is a lowrider s and and he's so quick on that thing like on the on-ramps he just smokes me and I mean to be fair, he's a little bit more of an aggressive rider than I am. <laughs> but, but the Pan Am is such a fun bike. I I love it. And I definitely steal his bike from time to time. So, <laughs> <laughs> And so you come originally from an off-roading background with riding, didn't you? Uh, I actually started on-road. I only started riding off-road oh, okay. just a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, sorry. I thought that you were starting off-road first. So tell me more about your journey then, like how you got into the motorcycle world. Sure. Yeah. So when I was young, my dad had a motorcycle. It was um, a CB750 Honda in a chopper frame. And uh, it was just, you know, very bare bones, chopper, not comfortable, hardtail, you know, all of that jazz. And, um, you know, when I was young, he would just plop me on the back of it and we'd cruise around town and I grew up in kind of a small city. So everybody knew his bike. And then, um, I, my, my parents ended up splitting when I was young, I moved out with my mom and it wasn't until after college that I got back into motorcycles and it was really just kind of, a almost an accident. Um, it was, it was a situation where I had graduated from college. I didn't have homework and lab reports and all this stuff taking up my time and I needed a new hobby. So um, my my now husband, but my boyfriend at the time, we decided to go take the, the basic riders course and get our license. So uh, did that one weekend and then ended up, my first bike was bu- uh, buying a Ninja 500 off of Craigslist, which, which is, you know, like a, a used products website here. And, yeah. um, uh, it was, it was kind of a piece of junk, honestly, 
<laughs> but I, I didn't know any better at the time. You know, I was so new into it and I was young, um, but uh, it was purple and I loved it because it was nice. purple. So yeah, my first bike was actually a sport bike. I, I mean, a small one, but um, I rode that for a couple of years and then I ended up getting a job at Harley and that's when I started riding more Harleys, of course, working there and then getting my own. I had a few different Harleys before I landed on my low rider. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a journey on the street, I guess you can say. And then uh, probably I think about four years ago is when I started off-road riding. And it was primarily because of peer pressure from my friends. <laughs> but like the best kind of peer pressure. Um yeah, I had a lot of friends back in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who rode um, off-road in the dirt or race. They did hair scrambles or whatever it may be. And they just always talked about how much fun it was. And I needed to get one. I needed to get my own. And they'd let me borrow their bikes and try it out. So eventually, I got my own. I just got a little CRF 150F. It's like a mini dirt bike. And that just kind of became like my catalyst into everything off-road. And I've used it for so many things. So um, I, I love it. I plan to do much more of it now that I've moved out to Arizona because there's so much more open land here. And I definitely want to like hone in my skills. Um, I feel like the skills that I've learned in the dirt have definitely transferred to street riding. So uh, yeah, it, not only is it fun, but it's also very valuable. So. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that, actually, because it's something I would really love to get involved with a bit more myself is some more off-roading because I'm not experienced off-road at all and I do that classic thing of you know if I hit some gravel on the floor or you know and the bike you know skids out a little bit like have an absolute meltdown about it because I'm not used to that terrain yeah and like so many people have told me you know if you ride off-road you get used to the bike doing this stuff and you then use it in your on-road skills as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it almost becomes a muscle memory thing where all of a sudden, if you feel your back tire sliding out from underneath you, or maybe you hit wet paint or something like that after it rains, uh, it, it, oftentimes your natural reaction is to clench up because you're scared. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh, but that's the exact opposite of what you want to do. Right. So if you start feeling that more often on a dirt bike, then when it happens on the road, your body just goes, oh, I know this feeling. I'm just going to ride it out or whatever you need to do to handle it. Right. So I, yeah, I think it's very valuable for sure. <laughs> Plus it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's something totally different, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to get into doing a bit more of that this year. Awesome. So have you done races with it or are you just doing it for fun? A few. Yeah. Um, I won't say that I'm super fast or super competitive, but I've done a few. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I, I like doing things that push my limits and help me grow both mentally and physically. And, and I think doing things like off-road riding and racing, especially kind of like helps in that. So um, I've entered a few flat track races. Flat track was pretty big back in Milwaukee or around Wisconsin where I came from. And a lot of my friends did it. And again, they, they kind of peer pressured me into trying it. <laughs> and, and I ended up loving it. So um, yeah, I've entered a few flat track races. Um, my best finish was third place. So I actually got a trophy. That was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I felt pretty cool about that. Um, I've also done um, 
just a handful of hair scrambles, which is, um, a, it's like a timed race in usually woods or something. It's, it's a trail and it's a, it's a pretty long trail. And the goal is to do as many laps as possible within that set amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. Those are exhausting, but uh, yeah. they're a lot of fun. And, and they really, really challenge like all your skills as an off-road rider. Um, I've done, let's see. Um, I've done a couple of drag races. That was with my street bike though. Uh, in Milwaukee, we had some, some events. They're called like street drags where basically you could bring your, your street vehicle. It doesn't have to be like a special race vehicle and just put it on the drag strip. So, um, that was always fun to me because it's like, you know, how often when you're on the street, do you really get to crack open your throttle to, to wide open and just like let her rip. So, um, that, that was always fun to me. I did take first place in the women's class one year in that, and then third place overall in the cruiser division. So that was pretty cool. (laughs) Nice. Was that on the low rider? Yep. Mm -hmm. That was on my low rider. Um, yeah. And, um, trying to think that might be it for all the, oh, and, and ice riding. I can't, can't forget that. Um, so in Wisconsin, where I grew up, it's winter, like essentially six months out of the year. And you start just going crazy because you can't ride your motorcycle on the street. So uh, what's very popular there is actually ice riding. Um, we're literally riding our motorcycles on frozen lakes. So oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds crazy, but I promise it's so much fun. If you ever have the opportunity to do it, definitely try it. Um but yeah, I, I got involved with that with some friends because there's a, there's a great community around Wisconsin that does it. And um, I went out and tried some of their bikes and ended up getting a setup for my own dirt bike so I could take it out. And uh, I entered a couple of races with that, just, just like flat track oval style. But there were a lot of TT style races that happened as well. Um, I never entered on any of those. Um, I'm better at turning left than I am at turning right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I just I stuck with the ovals. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was always a really great time. And I remember one of the last races that I did. It was something like negative twelve degrees F. Uh, yeah, it was crazy, crazy cold, which is fantastic for the ice. You have nice thick ice, but to be out there standing all day waiting for your turn to go on the track, etc. It was super, super cold. Um, but I mean, that's kind of just like part of it, you know, you, you laugh about it later with your friends, like, oh my God, what was I doing? It was so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so fun. So like, what kind of bikes would you be using when you're doing the ice racing and stuff? So primarily they're dirt bikes. Um, people will actually take even like their flat track bikes. Maybe the flat track bikes are set up with a certain, you know, like suspension or whatever, and um, they'll put studded tires on them. So the tires themselves, imagine like knobby dirt bike tires, but they have screws in them. And the screws are actually what dig into the ice. Um, And then there's a couple other things you put on the bike just for safeties, like you put an extra set of fenders over the screws in case you crash, so you don't want to saw off somebody's arm. Um, <laughs> that hasn't happened from what I've heard, but it's definitely a danger. Oh my God. I was um, going to say, has that actually happened? That sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're very sharp. Um, 
Yeah, that, and then we put a tether on the bike so that if you do fall off the bike, it'll pull the tether and kill the engine, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, like overall, we try to make it as safe as possible. But, um, yeah, typically dirt bikes, but there's all different types of classes of, of bikes that can enter the races. So I've even seen hooligan bikes, for example, like people will take their, their sportsters and put studs on them and take them out on ice. So that's kind of yeah. crazy because those are obviously much heavier than dirt bikes. And, and there are a lot more beastly to handle. Um, but yeah, I, I've seen it. I, there was a guy in Milwaukee actually who had a sport bike. I forget what it was exactly, but he he created, I think he maybe even built his own studded tires for his sport bike and he took it out on the ice. Well, like not to race it or anything serious. It was like kind of just for the heck of it. But <laughs> yeah, it was super funny. <laughs> so you can do it with anything really. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Actually, I don't know if you know of a lady called Ida on Instagram. I recently done a podcast with her and she lives above the Arctic Circle. Wow. She's got a sportster. She's put the studs on her tires and she goes out on trips in like minus 20 degrees yeah. and thick snow and she <laughs> is insane. Yeah, but she does it. She proves that Harleys are capable of this. It's so cool. That's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do so you can go ride, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So like that is complete extremes then from that to where you are now in Arizona. I mean, how do they com compare? Like, are you missing any of that side of it? Like the ice riding or do you just love the desert life? both um <laughs> so yeah this is my first winter that I've spent not in Wisconsin and seeing all my friends posts about ice riding has definitely given me some FOMO uh <laughs> I, I mean I I miss it I can't deny it that you know spending the weekends on the ice with my friends and just like riding on the ice is so much fun uh and and like I said before it's just a good community of people that do it but I also am really enjoying not wearing seven layers of clothes and I enjoy yeah. feeling my fingertips and, you know, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess a bit of both. Um, the, the weather here in Arizona during the winter months is, is beautiful. I've been riding my street bike almost every day because I can, you know, I couldn't do that back in Wisconsin during these months, but I know the summer is coming and I know it's going to be very hot and very brutal, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll learn to deal with it. In, in my mind, it's just like I traded one extreme for the other. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. You just make the, the best of wherever you are and there's always going to be pros and cons, isn't there? It's Absolutely. Like, it's the way it goes, isn't it? But that's super cool. And so have you not had any of the snow then? where you are no yeah we don't get snow here in phoenix uh maybe there's been a dusting here and there not since i've been here i've heard of it happening but uh, no we don't get any here really if you go further north it's higher elevation and they get quite a bit of snow there and then there's a few mountain ranges nearby that will get snow up on the the tips so um yeah, it's nice here because I can choose to go to the snow if I want to. It's not like I'm having to deal with it every day for six yeah. months. <laughs> maybe not, maybe more like four <laughs> months, but still, um, it's it's nice to like have the option here. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good mix, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. So what was your first Harley then? Did you go in with a, a classic sporty or? 
No, actually, my first Harley was a soft tail. So oh. um, the the soft tail platform refresh in 2018 was kind of like the first big project that I worked on. So uh, when it launched, I was really excited to get my hands on one for myself. And I got a sport glide. So um, I had oh, nice. a sport glide for two years, I think. And then eventually traded that for the Lowrider S when we launched it in 2020. And that's just been my bike ever since. I've just fallen madly in love with that bike. Yeah, it's an awesome bike. I've got my eye on that for my next bike, to be <laughs> honest. Nice. It's so nice. <laughs> so when you actually first started working for Harley, you didn't own a Harley? Nope, I didn't. Nope, I, I had that Ninja 500, that little little purple <laughs> piece of junk <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny so that reminds me actually that of something I wanted to brush on that you said earlier so it was after you started working for Harley and then you just sensed that community and like the passion people have and and that's what just inspired you to get your own yeah definitely um being around people who are so passionate about it and <clears throat> really like jumping headfirst into the the community and the culture, I just, I felt like a whole world opened up to me. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know a lot of people, especially didn't know any women who rode when I first got my Ninja. So um, I just, I learned so much about like all the possibilities and all the adventures that you can have with motorcycles kind of being the catalyst to that. So yeah, that's definitely like where everything kind of sparked for me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's so cool. Harley just really does have that sense of like passion and community, doesn't it? It it does bring people together in kind of unlikely ways. Like you seem to just, you can connect with anyone, can't you? Just over the fact you both are like riding and yeah, it's yeah, for so sure. Cool. And I, I love that so much. I mean, about motorcycles in general, um, you know, if if you're a rider and you travel across the world, maybe you don't speak the same language, but if you're both riders, you have something in common. And and I just love that so much. And, you know, with, with Harleys, especially, it's it's such a well-known brand that I feel like I can go anywhere and talk about my Harley that I ride. And, you know, it, it helps form a bond or a friendship that that maybe like you wouldn't have discovered otherwise yeah that is so true so what would you say is like one of your most happiest or cherished moments on a bike oh wow (laughs) um I would really have to think about that um I don't know like a pick just one um I, I think it's it's just kind of like the overall, like sometimes you just get this like visceral feeling when you're you're on a bike or you're on a trip and this great adventure and, um, you know I have these moments where I'll just kind of like take a second in my helmet to to really look around me and just like let myself sit in the moment and realize how beautiful this experience is you know whether it's it's riding behind a pack of my friends, you know, some of my favorite people that I love and cherish so much, but we're, we're doing this thing together. We're experiencing this adventure together or, um, 
the, I remember the first time that I rode through Southern Utah here in the U S Southern Utah is stunningly gorgeous. I mean, just these huge rocks and canyons everywhere. And just, you feel like you're on another planet. And, and I remember the first time I almost started tearing up in my helmet because I was like, how, how is this place real? And how am I riding through it right now? And just like taking it all around. Cause like when you ride through somewhere, it's much different than driving somewhere in a car. Like when you're riding, yeah. you're just, you're so much more immersed in your surroundings. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really just like those moments that I have occasionally, you know, it's, it's hard to pick just one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's lovely. I, I totally understand what you mean. So what about the other end of the spectrum then? What's like one of the most scariest or dangerous moments you've had on two wheels? Um, hmm. I don't think I've had a lot of scary moments. Um, maybe because my fear factor is a little out of whack, <laughs> um, <laughs> which may or may not be a good thing. Uh, <laughs> um, I, well, okay. I, I'll say two things. So maybe one of my, my scariest moments was um, one time I was leaving. It was an all women's camp out in West Virginia that I had rode to. And I was riding back to Wisconsin by myself. And the, the area the camp out was in was a dead zone. There was no cell reception. I really didn't know where I was except just relying on my maps and my, my satellite navigation. And um, I left the campground Sunday morning and I should have filled up my gas tank the night before when I came back to, to the sites and I didn't. So it was in the mountains. You had to ride through the mountains to like get to a town to get cell service. And I realized that my tank was running on E. I was like about to run out of gas. And of course it started raining and it was early in the morning. I had no idea where it was. I was just, I knew that this was the road I had to take out and um, no cell reception. I was getting really nervous that I was going to run out of gas and I didn't know what to do because I didn't have any way to communicate anybody else. There was nobody else passing me on the road. So I was like doing everything I could to, to like conserve fuel as much as possible and just be like easy on my accelerations and all this stuff. And eventually I found a gas station and it was like the most relieving moment of my life. <laughs> so um, ever since then, I, I learned that if I'm doing a long distance trip, it's smart to carry an auxiliary fuel bottle or a tank with you. So lesson learned. Um, that was definitely a scary moment for me because like I said, I, I didn't know what my out was if I got into trouble, but, um, that, and then maybe not a scary moment, but like kind of a, I guess maybe scary, but like kind of a, a more painful moment. Um, I took a, a supermoto class one time. I, I love taking different types of classes and, you know, learning different riding styles and techniques and, um, I loved supermoto, I found out when I took the class, but about three quarters of the way through the day, I ended up crashing and um, I high sided myself and anybody who's ever high sided themselves on a bike knows that it's usually very painful. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> what happened is I actually, I high sided myself off the right side. I landed on the ground. I kind of like punched myself in the ribs with my hand and um, 
<clears throat> I, I remember having like a brief moment of blackout and I, I sat up and I was like in the middle of the course, thankfully people were going around me. They had seen it happen. And um, one of the instructors was at the corner and they helped me get up and pick up the bike. But it was like this weird moment where in my head, I, I kind of came to and realized that I was sitting in the middle of the course and I had to like physically tell myself, Nerissa, get up, get up. You need to get out of the way. And I, I was just like kind of knocked out of it. Um, and that was just, like a really weird feeling to me. So um, I stood up and got off as fast as I could and immediately realized that my hand was in excruciating pain. So I um, ended up going to the ER after that and I did not break my hand. I, I almost wish I would have because the healing would have been quicker, but I ended up mm. spraining it really bad in a couple places and I bruised my kidney. Um, I didn't know that that was possible. And the nurse told me that, <laughs> that it's really difficult to do that, but check that off the list. Done it. Yeah, I did it. So I was like, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that was, that was definitely like the worst crash I've ever had on a motorcycle. And, um, I think that was tough for me mentally because I, I couldn't do anything with my hand for a long time after that, I, I lost so much mobility in it. I lost so much strength. And like for me mentally, when I'm physically limited by something, it's a big struggle. I mean, I couldn't even like go to the gym and work out and lift weights or anything like I had been doing. My doctor told me not to lift anything heavier than a coffee mug for like two months at least. So, um, and of course, that means I wasn't riding. So I didn't ride for almost like three months. And that was a long time for me to not ride a motorcycle. And and that was tough. So um, yeah, I, I think that's maybe like one of my worst or like toughest memories when it comes to riding. Yeah, sure. I mean, I can totally relate to what you went through there because I had a similar experience myself where I came off and I ended up dislocating my elbow, uh. which was worse than breaking it because I tore like all the um, tendons and ligaments and everything and wow. the healing took months. Yeah. So like you say, no gym, no putting any weight on it at all, no riding. And yeah, mentally, it's really tough to not be able to use your arm that you're so used to just using. Right? Yeah, something that is just there, you don't even think about it. And all of a sudden, it's taken away from you and you, you realize how much you take it for granted. <laughs> Right. yeah for sure like the very first thing I'll never forget the next day like when I, I woke up and you know I could not move my arm at all I was, it was in so much pain and I was like right just go down like make the best of it go downstairs be normal make your breakfast and like I, I couldn't even mix like my breakfast together what I was doing because I couldn't hold the bowl and you know the bowl was like spinning all around the counter oh, wow. and I was like oh I was like I just had an absolute breakdown like you're not grateful for just being healthy sometimes yeah. are you and you know you have all these problems but it's like if you've got your health actually like like they say health is wealth and it's so true it's so true absolutely I, I've been learning that the older that I get <laughs> which which I feel like saying that makes me sound old <laughs> but um no it's it's absolutely true and i think you know like off-road riding has shown me that like very up close and personal um there's obviously like often 
more opportunities or more instances where you crash or go down when you're riding on dirt. But um, it's, I don't know, for me, like I said, it's worth it. And I think it's so much fun, but, but it makes me a smarter rider as well, because as you get older, sometimes healing takes a little bit longer <laughs> as <Yeah>. I'm learning. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and yeah, being out of commission and not being able to ride at all really sucks. So um, I don't know, I, I guess it's really kind of affected my mindset over the years and it, not, not in the way that it prevents me from doing the things that I want to be doing, but in the way that it makes me smarter in how I train and in how I utilize my body in other ways. So, you know, before maybe I was just going to the gym because I wanted to, you know, hit a certain number on the scale or whatever it may be. But now my focus is so much more about, oh, I'm going to the gym because I want to build up my endurance because I want this specific muscle group to be strong so that I can handle my bike in this scenario or whatever, right? So it like gave me more of a purpose into what I was doing. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean with that. And that's a really good way of thinking of it. And to have a goal like that as well, to know it's going to like improve your riding or make you feel safer to be able to pick your bike up if you have to or yeah. something like that. All these things. It's like, it's something we don't really think about, but we should all be thinking about. <laughs> yeah, no, like you said, health as well. I think that's so true. And it's, it's very underestimated sometimes. And um I don't know, being a motorcycle rider, I think it, it is a physical activity, you know, some styles of riding more than others, but um, definitely like helps promote kind of like that healthy lifestyle, because you want to be out there, you want to be active. And, um, you know, not everybody can go camp and sleep in the dirt for a couple nights in a row, because it hurts their body too much. But um, I'm trying to take advantage of that as much as I can while my body is allowing me to. Yeah, sure. No, that's awesome. So, Narissa, I'm going to move on to a part where I show you a picture that I found on your Instagram, and then I'll get you to explain it a bit more in depth. Oh, that sounds so, fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, firstly, this is the picture, and then if you can explain it to everyone so they know what they're looking at. Okay. Um. That was just a fun little photo shoot that my girlfriend and I did downtown Milwaukee one day. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. So but I loved the background on that. I thought that was a really cool, like, little yeah. area where what you found. Yeah. So Milwaukee has a lot of murals around the city. It's a very art-friendly city, which I love. And that was actually on the wall next to a demolished building. So we we wanted to go take advantage of it before they tore it down. Oh, really? They actually tore it down. What a shame. I think they built another building in its place. But yeah, for a short while, it had that really awesome, colorful mural. So we just, we went out and had some fun. Oh, that's cool. And also within this post, you posted a few other pictures as well. Uh, like this one, I absolutely loved. Yeah. So uh, when I was back in Milwaukee, I was part of a organization called Build Moto. And it's a, a volunteer based organization that started over 10 years ago in Milwaukee. And um, the, the point of the organization is to team adults in the community mentors with high school students. And um, the, the premise is that 
every team has about six months to rebuild a motorcycle and turn it into a race bike. So through this program, the idea is to give students like a hands-on experience with, you know, basic mechanic skills, fabrication skills, um, teaching them a lot of like, like trades type skills that are kind of becoming more and more uncommon with kids. Um, so yeah, giving them that opportunity, but then also kind of introducing them to like a real world business aspect of it as well. So like as part, it's actually a competition. Um, there's usually about 10 teams, give or take every year. And, uh, every team builds their own bike and then ultimately races it against each other at the end of the season. And throughout, throughout the six months, throughout the competition, we have all these milestones where we have to like maintain a social media account. We have to acquire sponsors and uh, give a certain dollar amount back to the program. Um, yeah, things like that. So it's, it's a great experience for the kids to both like get their hands on the motorcycles, learn about motorcycles, learn about mechanical skills, but then also kind of learn about this like real world business type side of things. So, um, so that photo was actually from last year. Um, the team that I was part of, I, I, was one of the founders for the first all female team as part of that organization. And um, all the students were girls. And then all of us mentors were also female. And um, typically we would like bring in some guest mentors, people who had like other skills, you know, maybe um, a welder, for example, that would come and teach girls how to do some basic welding. And we always try to make sure that that was a female to, to give the students um, basically like a lot of role models or a lot of examples of what they could do someday when they graduated high school or maybe like help them find their own career paths. So um, yeah, like I said, that picture was from last year and uh, that was myself and one of our students, Lucy, she, she was kind of like our, our hand control guru. She took to that really well and was like really quick at assembling the handlebars and the throttle and everything. So um, the the last couple of years that I was in the competition, we were actually building flat track bikes. So um, we would start out, in January and then have until like May or June to finish it. And then, like I said, we'd race it on the track and everything. So that was a a huge um, passion of mine when I was in Milwaukee. It it still is. You know, I was really sad to leave it behind when I moved and left Milwaukee, but um, the program is still going. And my team, the Iron Angels, they're, they're still going. They have some other mentors that took over. I'm really excited to see what they do this year and what their new bike is going to end up looking like. But yeah, it's, it's a great, great program. And I feel very fortunate to be part of it because, you know, like we as mentors, it took a lot of work for us to, to like dedicate our time to this program. Like I said, it's all volunteer based. It was all like, you know, after work hours, et cetera. But, um, I feel like I got a lot back in return as well. You know, I, I, I learned a lot about myself in terms of like mentorship and leadership. And I also like formed some connections with not only the other female mentors, but even the students, you know, there's a couple of students that have like gone on and graduated and gone to college and I still stay in touch with them today. So that's really awesome. Oh, that's lovely. That sounds like a really good cause and a great program and that they should be trying to push that out to more places really because it's a great skill to have and 
not just learning that one skill it's like the team skill and just all of it and obviously I love that you guys managed to get like a female group together as well because again it's just that another thing of you know women can do this as well and you know sometimes in certain stuff like that I feel like it does need to be pushed so I think that's awesome you guys managed to do that thanks yeah that was a big motivation for us um you know other teams had girls on them but we specifically wanted to be all female and um we knew that we were kind of putting a spotlight on ourselves by doing that but but it's okay you know we we held our team to a high standard and we definitely performed to that high standard every year which i'm very very proud of to say for my team and um I think it's important because, you know, some of the girls that we recruited over the years came from schools where they didn't have tech ed classes, or maybe they were like too intimidated to sign up for those classes. You know, like a lot of the girls came to us and they didn't even know the difference between righty tidy, lefty loosey. I mean, like these very basic, like hands-on mechanical kind of skills. And by the end of our season, they could change the oil, they could change the wheels, reassemble, disassemble the handlebars, they could, you know, point to different components on the motorcycle and tell you what they do and what their names are. So um, a couple of them actually went on to get their license as well, which is super exciting. (laughs) Awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is super cool. I love it. So what what would you actually say is like your dream bike? Do you own it or... Do you have a dream bike? You know, I've been asked this before and I still don't have an answer. Unfortunately, <laughs> I want all the bikes. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> I, I think I need a dream garage more than I need a dream bike because I need a garage big sure. enough to hold all the motorcycles that I want. <laughs> I feel that actually. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you three kind of random questions but it will link back around to what we're going to do next so I need to know what's your favorite food dream destination and like your dream car oh wow (laughs) um I'm so bad at picking just one thing out of these categories um okay favorite food um I love macaroni and cheese <laughs> oh yes so ooh, Me too. I really love pizza too um okay I, I'll, go, I'll go with the mac and cheese we'll stick with that um okay dream destination mm. <laughs> oh my there's so many places I want to go uh <laughs> Let's see. I'll say Australia. Um, sure. I've never been there and everything that I see looks beautiful and there's so many things to explore there. So um, that's definitely on my list. Uh, like I said, I have a long list, but we'll just go with that one. And <laughs> um, favorite car? Um uh, I have a soft spot for Aston Martins. Oh, okay. So nice. um, I don't know, maybe like like a maybe a DB9, like an Aston Martin DB9. Okay, sure. All right. So we're gonna have a game of Would You Rather, and I'm gonna oh. put your low rider at stake. Oh no! Everything. Okay. 
<laughs> so would you rather have your low rider and never eat mac and cheese again or would you rather eat mac and cheese whenever you like but never have your low rider again I think I'll have to go with the low rider I think I'd be give, willing to give up my mac and cheese to have my low rider sure you got pizza still so yeah it's right. exactly <laughs> so what about australia then you could go to australia live there or travel there as much as you want on any other bike but not the low rider and you'd never be allowed the low rider again or you can have your low rider but Ah! never go to australia (laughs) um i think i would still pick the low rider yeah um sure i would be really bummed out but i mean like i said there's plenty of other places i want to visit so I'd still keep yeah, my bike. That's so true. <laughs> that is true. So what about the Aston Martin then? If I said like, here's your oh. low rider, here's the Aston Martin, you can take one home today, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Um, hmm. Uh, <laughs> okay, th- this might be the tipping point. If If somebody gave me an Aston Martin and I had to give up my low rider for it, I might just do it. I might just do sure. it. I mean, I would get another sure. motorcycle. I would get something that's very similar. <laughs> but um, I might just do it for an Aston Martin. Sure. No, do you know what? I respect that. I mean, you've had time to enjoy your lowrider, but you've not been able to enjoy an Aston Martin. So... I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a few motorcycles in the garage and it's definitely become kind of like a a collection more so than just my hobby, you know, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I've, I've never really gotten into cars. I mean, I, I, I love cars, you know, just kind of like the mechanical engineering side of me, but motorcycles are just so much easier to own and to store and, you know, they take less space. <laughs> So, um so yeah I, I wouldn't be mad if I had a cool car in my garage too yeah 100% so like, what is Harley actually like to work for then are they a really great company like do you see yourself working for them for a much longer time yeah I do um like I said I've worked there since 2015 and you know at this time I don't really have any plans on going anywhere else um I, I I do love it. I, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities in the company and I still have a lot more growth in in my field that I, I can do. And I mean, I, I love what I do. Um, for me, it's a perfect balance of combining my passions with my knowledge and skill sets. So um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a job. You know, would I rather be sitting on beaches and traveling the world yeah of course (laughs) course. (laughs) who wouldn't right yeah um you know but but we all need a job to sustain our lives and and I'm really happy that this is the one that I've I've landed in yeah oh that's awesome so I've just got one more question for you then Narissa if you could go like back in times when you first started riding and you could give yourself some advice about riding, what would it be? Hmm. Um, I think when I first started riding, 
I didn't know a lot about gear, like protective gear. And now I'm, I'm a big advocate for it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of an at-gat person. Um, if you don't know, at-gat is all gear all the time. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, I don't know. People have different opinions on this and, you know, everyone's free to make their own choice, of course. But for me, at least, I feel like if I can do one simple thing, like wearing proper boots and footwear, that is going to help me ride for more years of my life. And it's going to protect me in a way that will keep me safer and healthier, then I'm going to do it. Um, when I first started riding, like I said, I didn't know many other riders at the time. I definitely didn't know many other females, if any at all. And I think that was before riding gear was really being tailored to females. Whereas now there are so many companies out there, even like female owned companies that are creating gear specifically for us. You know, it's, it's not just the shrink it and pink it anymore. So yeah. Um, I think if I could, I'd go back and, and I would tell myself to spend more time learning about what proper gear means and, and finding it and investing in it. Like I know, especially as a new rider, it can feel tough to spend a lot of money, like hundreds of dollars on a jacket and hundreds of dollars on Kevlar pants or whatever it may be, but it's worth it because it's, it's like an investment in yourself, in your safety and your longevity. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. I really respect that. And I'm so with you on that all gear all the time, even though it can be tough when it's super hot and yeah. stuff like that. But it's just not worth the risk for me personally. Like you say, people, you know, let everyone crack on, do their own thing. But I've definitely also come to terms with that as well, uh, That how important it is. I think maybe the longer you're in the motorcycle community, you start to hear more stories of people coming off. And yeah. if they didn't have that on, it could have been a lot worse. And I just think, actually, I've almost frightened myself into it by just like hearing more stories, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Either hearing stories or maybe even having experiences yourself, you, you definitely learn the importance of it. And um, yeah, I don't know. I guess at some point you just kind of get over the feeling of like, oh, I need to look cool and, and not wear a jacket or something. But I don't know. To me, it's it's not really worth it in that sense. But, but I mean, the, the awesome thing is there are so many more products out there, like I said, especially for women these days. You, you can do both. You can look cool and still be safe. So, yeah, yeah, I guess like my advice to newer riders that are that are coming into the culture and into the scene right now, like do your research because there is a lot of really great products out there. Yeah, that is so true. Well, Narissa, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been really great getting to know you better and hearing a bit of your insights into life and how you getting on like working for the one and only harley themselves <laughs> that is super cool so yeah thank you so much yeah thank you for asking me to be on it was a lot of fun thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of biker chick chat if you did enjoy it please don't forget to give it a thumbs up like subscribe comment all that jazz you guys know what to do and if you would like to see more from narissa and myself don't forget you can check us out on socials i'll link in the description below everything you need to find us thank you again and i'll look forward to seeing you on the next one bye